to Say That, podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining us here is Jed Brewer. Preemptively wishing you a happy new year. With us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee is Lee Younger. Man, those the, the, the range and depth of those voices, especially the one that <laughs> reminds me of the movie trailer voice. It's so great. There's although I will say there's one right now. It's like on like ESPN or Home Depot or something. Yeah. Or or maybe it's or maybe it's just like a furniture store. It's I swear the guy is doing like it's like it can't be real. Okay. It's it's so put on. It's, it's so ham fisted that it's like it's gotta be everybody's joke. And I like the idea that like that in the midst of this marketing, we also are just pushing this comical advertising voice so far that for us it's just delightfully funny. I love it. Love it. Yes, one thing that hopefully will remain unchanged as we move here into 2023 is Jed's rich baritone. (laughs) Situationally and comedically deployed. Yeah, you know. So we are here at the last Say That Podcast of 2022. Coming at the very end. We made it. Uh, If you listen or anything like us, that was touch and go there for a while, as it has been for the last couple of few years here. Um, so we're feeling good about that. So we thought in the, in lieu of a regular episode, we'll be back with next week. So if you have a question for us, that podcast, gmail.com, the slash ask, scroll on your episode description and click the links you find there. We will be back answering your questions, but for this one, we thought we'd take a little year interview. Well, something we're calling 2022, the year in Christian nonsense. Oh my. <laughs> and what a year it's been. And what a year it's been. We'll look back at some previous things we've touched on in emergencies, some updates on some things, some brand new things we have found in the interim. To that one, I will start off with, we we mentioned in a fairly recent episode, the kind of insane high production value megachurch Christmas uh, epic at the megachurch in Texas where they had the the drummers on the zip lines flying over the crowd and the whole thing. We have been sent by a friend of the show, a friend of Lee and I, Alan Hamilton, a recording that is not from this year, but we found out about it this year. And it is hooking on another trend, which is video apps like uh, Instagram reels and TikTok, leading to recordings of Christian uh, church services just being brought to us in full video in a way that the description could never fully capture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this yep. one is from a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma that apparently does like these other churches. We also mentioned the church that does the nativity plays that are massive copyright infringements based on uh, Marvel pirates, of the Caribbean star Wars, these things. This is a, a church that does a similar deal, but they specifically did and I'm not making any part of this up. I'm just reading from the YouTube description. Hip-hop style, you're a mean one Mr. Grinch with Thriller mix by Church on the Move. That, that was word soup, man. I'm going to go through that again slowly. Hip-hop yeah. style, you're a mean one Mr. Grinch with Thriller mix by Church on the Move. Which I'll remind think- you, we mentioned this is a hip-hop song. To the tune of Thriller, but with lyrics about the Grinch, by a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I think my favorite thing about it 
is how they've managed to do every possible copyright violation in one go. Like if you yeah. tried like, you know, like there, there's challenges people do on the internet, you know, and, and like, what if I put every kind of fuel in my car at the same time? Like they, they're like, what if we broke every intellectual property law there is all in one go? And <laughs> You know, I really, I salute that. I really do. That's dedication to your craft. It's, it's the evangelical EGOT. <laughs> it's also a, a deep denunciation of how the copyright strike algorithms work. Because in previous projects, I've put things on social media platforms like Facebook, where it is a podcast that I produced in my own home featuring songs that Jed wrote, sang, played every instrument on, produced, and then put on the internet, and we got copy we got that struck down for copyright. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Meanwhile, these people are doing a thing owned by the Dr. Seuss estate and Michael Jackson's music. And it's yeah. not like we're playing it. It's just a backing track to thriller. And, uh, and, that's and fun, by the way, apparently. when you watch the video, the beat for beat dance with the Grinch leading the thriller dance, which by the way, his backup dancers, zombies. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> and the, the guy who's rapping, cause again, we're rapping about this is just wearing the red jacket outfits. Yeah. And here's the thing. Here's what we can't tell is a five minute YouTube clip. And maybe we'll drop some audio in here somewhere. It doesn't have anything to do with Christmas. No. Like, say what you want about, oh, is Santa, does that have it? Like, this is, the other one had drums. There's a song about drumming, at least. This is just the Grinch doing the thriller dance. He, you know, come let us behold him, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What One of my, one, the other thing that's occurring to me is kind of bringing me a certain amount of probably not the best joy is like that dance is not easy to do, which makes me think that they had to hire somebody who's been involved in like ballet their whole life. Like, you know, they're, they're typically yeah. this time of year, they'd be doing the nutcracker and whatnot. And, and now it's this. And man, I just, I want to talk to that guy. I want to, I want to yeah. buy him a cup of coffee. I just want to know, man, what, what, what was that like? Because maybe it was great. Maybe it's like, man, I'm I'm tired of all the stuffiness of the you know fine art world, and I I was ready to do something new. But I want to know, like, how was it to deal with the people at this mega church versus a ballet studio? That's the question I need to know. Yeah, there's also the theological problem slash question of can the undead come to a salvable knowledge of Jesus Christ? Ooh, and if anything, Ooh. wouldn't zombie theme be for Easter? <laughs> I feel like yes. you're really, really confusing a lot of things with Christmas there. The other thing to, to Jed's point about the professional, presumably professional choreography, the, the maddening thing to me about this particular, at least this one musical number is it's like from a production side, like it's quite good. Like it sounds right. fine. So that doesn't really have the, uh, speaking of other awful things in this vein, we talked about this year, the weird uh, homophobic Christian Hamilton ripoff. 
Yeah. Where like right. the people involved in it couldn't really sing or rap. At least that gives it a sense of like, well, maybe these are people from this church and maybe this is like, you know, it's got a certain rustic charm. If we're putting on a show with the kids from the neighborhood, this is so well executed. It means there were so many times you could have thought, why are we doing this? (laughs) (laughs) So many rehearsals, sound checks, processing, you know, getting the recording to do the, the backing track to, so many people had a chance to think the the Grinch doing Thriller. Really? That's, I mean, not that you have to do an exact manger scene, but thematically, <laughs> this seems very far from the, the manger <laughs> ideal. Wow. Yeah. So that's, I, I have a feeling that will be a, a recurring theme as we look back on things from the, from the year will be so that's how you chose to use those resources huh that's that's fun um yeah two? the 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 transparency the lack of transparency for megachurch budgets i feel like is going to come up again before we sign off on this episode but yes the the level like to, exactly to matt's point the level of care on this thing Many, many, many people were well paid and lots of money was spent on costumes, on sound design, on lighting, on smoke machines, on on set design, on props. And again, to Matt's point, I didn't see any of the Jesus or the Christmas at any point. And yeah, so that whole thing about, you know, Christians like taking care of orphans and widows in their distress. It's just a really mind bending situation. Now I will say, and I was bringing this up when I, before we went on air, Lee makes a very good point there of the, we just didn't bring the Jesus part into this at all, which is presumably that's a choice. If you're going to have a Christmas service, like at a church, one could reasonably expect the birth of Christ to come up (laughs) in some small way. But in this particular instance, I honestly can't tell if this makes it better or worse. Like, I don't know if I want the thriller, the guy in the jack, the thriller jacket to do a verse about the Grinch's salvation. Right. But again, I acknowledge that there should be something about Christianity in this. And there isn't. So. I I honestly don't know what to make of that. Well, I really like kind of the the juxtaposition for evangelical culture of a strong desire to inject Jesus into everything outside of the church, you know, <laughs> kind of in the Dr. Evil, you know, is it an evil petting zoo kind of way, you know, I mean, like, you know, <laughs> uh, but but inside the church, we don't need any Jesus there at all. Like, if if you could flip those even a little bit, like, right. Yeah, it would be a much, much better direction, truly. Yeah. Um, well, th- that brings us up to a, a calendar quirk that's happening this year that's already happened. And as we record this, as you listen to it, which is, of course, that um, Christmas fell on a Sunday this year. And as happens every seven years or so when that happens, there was a sto- story in the New York Times, and it happens every year, 
of churches being like, ah, eh, we're not going to have service. And then I believe yeah. it was in our, somebody released in the town, the bigger town for, over from what Lee and I are in, a large membership church released a statement that said they weren't having services on Christmas Sunday because they didn't want to interfere with this family holiday. <laughs> As being cool. of transparency, you could just say like, hey, it costs a lot to turn on the lights in this building. So if only like 50 people are going to show up, it's not, we're just not having it. Right. People would be, I don't know if they'd love it, but you know, it's an explanation. It's a true one. Sure. Yeah. We'd like our staff to be able to spend the holiday with their families. We'll see you, you know, for the Wednesday service. That's cool. But to be like, we didn't, we didn't want to interfere with Christmas with church. We do want to interfere with, you know, public education, things you can watch and read and libraries. These type of things. We, we definitely want to interfere with those with church, but not Christmas. Signage on public restrooms, yeah. everything. Well, a, a, a quick hitter, and this one is another update. We we talked very quickly about this particular story, and it goes to transparency. Um, that Houston Baptist University in Houston, Texas, uh, announced in September that they were changing their name specifically to Houston Christian University. Okay. Uh, adding in a long, long tradition of uh, places not wanting you to know they're Baptist. So just kind of dropping that nomenclature. A fun game to play if you're church shopping in a reasonably large town that you've gone to. If you go to anywhere that doesn't have a denomination in their title and strikes them and softly peddles themselves as non-denominational without saying that, a fun thing to ask them is, so what kind of Baptist are you? <laughs> but that brings me to something from last week. Uh, members of David Platt's megachurch, McLean Bible, have filed a lawsuit over what they say are the churches, wait for it, improper ties to the Southern Baptist Convention. What? Alleging the church violated its constitution, plaintiff says McLean is affiliated with and funded various Southern Baptist entities. I like the idea that you got sued for not being kind of like, you know, if you had something toxic in a food product you made and you didn't label it clearly, you could be sued for that. It's like that, but with the Southern Baptists. Incredible. You didn't let us know that there were Baptist nitrates in this church. <laughs> the name of that church, just to drive this home, McLean Bible Church. Hmm. Cool. Don't ask any other questions. That's the important part. Do you, do you think that they have a, a book that is a particular favorite for them? Oh, what might that be, Jed? I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, I just like, you know, I, I heard the name of the church. And I just I just wondered what books they enjoy reading. That's all. I, I couldn't quite suss it out. No, oh, yeah. From the name. Weirdly enough, the uh, the church bookstore has a number of books by prominent Southern Baptist leaders. But that's just a coincidence. <laughs> do they really? <laughs> I, I assume so. Well. I have, uh, this is one that I have not shared with these gentlemen yet, so I'd love to get their reaction to. It's a, a tweet that went semi-viral in early December here, and it follows up on a kind of ongoing segment we've had for years, particularly this year, it's become a little more pronounced, which is, hey, Christian men, how's it going? <laughs> is it going good? 
so we, you know, masculinity, a big topic as it continues to be. Uh, this was a tweet by, I'm not going to give his name, but a gentleman who, as I click on his thing, is, of course, a uh, pastor and co-author. Oh. As so many white Christian men on Twitter are. Oh. And he says, quote, normal men don't feel comfortable in churches for the same reason they don't want to linger in the women's clothing section at a store. It feels overly feminine. Gosh. Uh, okay. I I don't know where to start with that. <laughs> well, in, in that case, I'll start here. I uh, am married and have gone to stores with my wife and have many times stood in the women's clothing section as she was looking at stuff, trying it on. And I never thought this impacts my masculinity in some way. <laughs> yeah. What I thought is I will look at scores or Twitter. Right. <laughs> Honey, honey, I'm getting less manly. <laughs> Standing near these dresses is depleting my testosterone as we talk. That's how it works, right? <laughs> Let me ask, like, because I'm sure there must be something that I'm missing here. I'm sure what I'm about to say is overly reductive, but, like, how is this different from saying me being in a place that's girly might give me cooties? Like, well, is, they... is there... They they couch it in culture war language. Right. But yeah. I mean, like, uh, other than, than the choice of verbiage, is there any fundamental difference between his statement and mine? Also, I'd love to know what his, you know, John Wayne version of, of a church worship service would be. Like, do you have to actively be throwing an axe in the worship service in order for it to be manly enough for a guy to be interested in, in it? quote unquote, whatever he thinks a guy means. Yeah. One of the people in the replies was who was agreeing with this dullard was saying like, yeah, it should be, you should make it manly. You should have like metal and wood and reclaim stuff. And they, they were just describing, somebody pointed out, they were just describing like the inside of a Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're talking about the decor. Yeah. Which I don't that's know if that's funny. what the original dude meant, but that's where dude took it. Um, it's it's just a building, bro. I want corrugated tin to be kind of the uh, wainscoting of the, you know, it's like, uh, I love the idea of somebody getting into a really highly detailed description of the decor oh, yeah. so that they oh, can yeah. make it more manly. You know, like at like the medieval fair and programs like that, where they'll sell you like kind of the almost sarcastically oversized, either like, mutton leg or turkey leg you know it's just it really is like the huge like bone with meat on it right like i want to go and i i think like a presbyterian church would be good for this i want to go to one where it's still the 45 minute bible lecture but an attempt to be manly the dude's just gnawing on that mutton leg the entire time like they've changed no other elements other than the mutton leg just as a nod (laughs) to this vision of masculinity that would be really entertaining to me we worked bacon into the Eucharist somehow. <laughs> People have like uh they have a they have a holster with the shofar in it. Oh, oh, that's very good. <laughs> sure, a, quick that's shofar. Good. It's an open carry shofar. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody did ask what what exactly are you ta- exactly what the hell are you talking about? They said it nicer, but you know. And this yeah. this gentleman replies, one easy example is the content of many modern worship songs. To which I ask Hey, bro, have you ever read, like, the Bible or a hymnal? 
because it doesn't sound familiar. It's it gets pretty emotional, my man. Yeah, yeah. Don't read the letters of the Apostle Paul, who said things like, "When I was w- among you, I was like a nursing mother with you. You were my dear child. Like just I, when I when I was with you, I left you with uh with many tears and weeping." Like don't don't read that book that you say you like because uh, you're not going to like it. Yeah, it calls you a bride. You're not going to be happy about that, right? <laughs> like, there's a lot of if you read the because I assume this if you don't like the modern worship songs, it's normally a you know oh he is saying hymns and whatnot. There's a lot of talk about being clutched to the the bosom of the Lord and whatnot. Yeah, and a lot of those hymns like you're not gonna you're not gonna love what you what you come in with there. Jesus described himself exactly once in the entire Bible. And he said, I am gentle and humble in heart. Yeah. So, uh, hmm. And in some way, it's interesting that there's a people still clinging to the, the, the Driscoll thing of Jesus was a cage fighter. I only respect him because he's manly. (laughs) Like, dude, I don't like, you're, you're you're telling us more about us, more about you than us. Yeah, and that's fine. But maybe when you walk into an environment and you're uncomfortable, you could you could take that as a moment for introspection and wonder what is it about <laughs> me that this is conflicting with, making me feel odd. I think they I think they base all this on that one Bible verse that says, you know, when someone slaps you on one cheek. Punch him in the nose and put him in a headlock. I mean, I think that's where a lot of that this comes from. Yeah. I mean, look, if you if you interpret the text in a correct theologically foundational way, there's a lot about triangle chokes in there that that <laughs> the modernists are just afraid of. Here, here's a question that that kind of you know looks towards the future, right? So, I'm envisioning an online church that's the first church of manliness, and we're going to harness the power of AI because, like, the following is a real thing, right? That like you can, you can basically use like old footage of actors and kind of train an AI model, and then you can generate new footage for for the future, right? So like, there's no reason that we couldn't feed several seasons of The Sopranos into an AI, and then come out with Pastor Tony Soprano on the other side of it, Whoa. you know to, to shepherd our, our manly, manly flock. So my question is what, and I mean, this would all be, have to be digital of course, but what is the manliest pastor we can think of in terms of what these people want? Like what would be their fever dream that say that industries could provide for them? Well, I, I love your initial suggestion because I think Tony Soprano would be an interesting example in the sense of what they think they want, but they would hate yeah. it as soon as they got it because sure. the whole premise of the Sopranos is he goes to therapy. <laughs> like that's literally one of the narrative devices is him talking to his therapist. Right. Right. So right, it would right. be like, yeah, we got the, he's, he's, he's really tough and he's a mob boss and gets stuff done. And then all the sermon content would be about his internal struggles with what society ex- suspects of him, expects of him and his attempts to, be a better man, but what does that mean in a in, inherently immoral world where his societal expectations conflict with his inherent desire for self-actualization? Yeah. 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 It's like, I, I was, 
I was looking for Clint Eastwood, and I wound up with Adam Duritz from The Counting Crows. <laughs> Actually, I really love the idea of, of intentionally, to the positive, punking people, where we get an AI model, and it's Pastor Clint. And it's like, it's Clint from the West. I don't, maybe Dirty Harry. Maybe the Dirty Harry uh, right. era Clint, right? But it's all basically Brene Brown content. Like, I can't tell you how happy that would make me. Sure. That I need to see that funny. happen. That's really funny, dude. I want to now want to use deepfake technology to get Clint Eastwood doing line readings, but they're of Counting Crow songs. Oh, we can do this. We can do this. <laughs> so just very clear to, down at the New Amsterdam. Strike up a conversation. And just it gets dark from there. I like it. Yeah. It's raining yeah. in Baltimore. That kind of sounds like the beginning of a Clint Eastwood song. It does. Or it Clint does. Eastwood movie. It's 4.30 on a Tuesday. It doesn't get much worse than this. That is, that is one of the most truthful lyrics that has ever been written about anything. My, my, my one other honorable mention for deep fake digital pastor is the coach from Rocky. I just, I feel like that Burgess would be Meredith. Meredith. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there's, but there's some kind of horrible mix up at the AI factory and it's just the penguin. Neil Diamond <laughs> yeah, Burgess Meredith. Played penguin. Burgess Meredith. Well, there's that line though of, uh, when, uh, when Mickey from the original Rocky says, you're going to eat lightning and crap thunder. Yeah. And there's got to be like some, you know, it's like Elijah on Mount Carmel saying that yeah. line, you know? Yeah. I, I want that guy to be my pastor now, but now, but now that Matt has brought up the uh, the Adam West Batman run, now all I can think as of, I want to do <laughs> was it uh, wasn't it Caesar Romero that played the Joker in that show? Yep. Oh man! Now I just want a deep fake Caesar Romero Joker pastor or foil. Like, yeah, the, you sure. know. Whatever, whatever, but man, there's just this is an this is an endless thread. This is apropos of absolutely nothing, but it is tied into uh, I guess it ties back to masculinity. One of the funniest things about that weird random fact that's just lodged in my brain: uh, Cesar Romero, uh, who's a Latin American gentleman, I think he may have been Cuban American. Um, he refused to shave his mustache for the role, so they just put okay. the Joker paint over his mustache. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't shave it. And that is more, whatever you consider authentic or whatever masculinity, that's more of it than going into church and being like, hmm, this paint makes me feel girly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one, one, one more, because I, I think Lee mentioned something that could be really transformative, and this is going to link back to Matt's great love of, of wrestling, is it's normal church, but there's a heel character who will randomly attack the pulpit mid-sermon. Right. Like the pastor's making a good point. And then like the heels music starts playing sure. and he just starts walking in from the back of the church with a smoke machine. And he's got a, you know, like a metal folding chair over his shoulder. And then they're just going to go at it and argue the point mid sermon. Dude, I would show up for at least one day, one Sunday morning of that. Like that would be worth getting up for. You're talking about a sermon run in. Yes. I mean, you just yeah. need, you just need the Ric Flair of church. <laughs> who would That's be from- like a Pauline villain. Cause he would walk in talk about how rich he is and missing the point. <laughs> well, Matt, Matt and I have a, have an actual friend in real life who did a character. That's right. Very Believe much it or not, like, we do 
<laughs> we actually have a, a friend in real life um, who who did a character <laughs> much like this for for a Young Life gig one time that was a copycat of an ad campaign and that Terry Crews did where yeah. he did a character called Terry uh, Terrible Terry Tate, the office linebacker. Where yes. he would just destroy people in this like cubicle ridden office. And I love the idea of that happening at church. It's fantastic. Like some guy pours the last of the coffee out of the coffee jug and just sets the uh he just sets the jug back in there. So the next girl who goes in just there's no coffee left. And so terrible Terry Tate just flies out of nowhere and destroys this guy with a football jersey on and then screams at the guy on the floor, you kill the Joe, you make some mo. <laughs> this would also be an important timing mechanism if your pastor is leaning on milking it just a little too long. That's right. Terry Tate, uh, church linebackers music hits. And that's when you know it's time to wrap it up before he makes it to the pulpit. The best part of this is the music coming in. Cause it's like, I just picture, I just picture, you know, somebody just kind of falling asleep in church. They're just nodding off. The sermon has gotten, the pastor's getting long winded. He's making another Lord of the Rings reference or something. And then all of a sudden just like, that's right. Stone Cold Steve Austin, the, the glass breaks or just, or, and this is true from real life as well. Or just John Cena's music starts, which my son, my son Jack, when he was about 11, anytime he was about to do something cool, he would just start singing John Cena's music to himself. <laughs> yeah, that's why wrestling's great. Also, there's a, an old wrestling announcer named Jim Ross who, in the kind of height of WWE, when Stone Cold Steve Austin or whoever's music could hit, he would just scream into the mic, business is about to pick up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you need if that sermon's flagging. Oh, you released man. the church heel and business is about to pick up. That's so enjoyable. Like I, I like you're talking me into being a wrestling fan right now. That is what you just said is so enjoyable. It's it's a fine form of entertainment. It must be said less entertaining are uh -oh. some of the things we've talked about this year, but they they should be gone into. So we as ever have covered the the ongoing travails and issues with Christian media. Uh, we did have a fun thing happen last uh, week as we record this, where a uh, friend of the show, Henry Landau, sent us a reminder about Velocipaster. Yes. The right. movie, which we're aware of, but I'm glad Henry sent it to us because I think that may be the single most sent, single bit of media that has been sent to us the most from like just people when they find it, they immediately think, you know, who'd appreciate this. Yes. My friends does that podcast and correct. Oh, you yeah. are. Yeah. Uh, so we've had, but we've had, uh, we oh, talked it's about also a hallmark of our, of our fingerprint on the, uh, on the zeitgeist that when something really dumb that Christians do happens, that many people immediately think of us, which is, it's really kind of sweet. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you often wonder, what do I put out in the world that people think of me and respond to? In our case, it is a movie that is so insane. People aren't sure it's real about a pastor who turns into a dinosaur or fights a dinosaur. I haven't quite figured it out yet called Velocipaster. <laughs> and that's, you have found our level friends. Yeah, that's right. And we appreciate yeah. it very much. We also this year talked about not only that, but uh, the fifth in the God's not dead series. That is coming out. 
We talked about a weird, bad CGI thing called Journey to Hell based on uh, this the exact movie that people who don't watch Christian movies think every Christian movie is, which is Non-Believer Dies, does a little uh, N64 level graphics going to hell, then comes back and wants to be Christian now. So that's a delight as it ever is. We talked about random trials and travails in the Christian music industry. One, the, what are the opposite of a trial and travail is we do want to share because it's probably too late to take this into your uh, holiday festivities, but save it for next year. Save it for Easter. Whenever you interact with people next, uh, this is a headline from churchleaders.com. Amy Grant to host niece's same sex wedding believes Jesus wants us to quote, love God and love each other. So next uh-huh. time uncle, whatever, they're really going on about the thing. Just tell, just tell them that piece of information and don't just see what it does to their brain. <laughs> see how the person who was raised on wow worship or whatever takes Amy Grant to officiate same sex wedding. It might hit some sort of reset button in them. That would be good. Twitching for all will of ensue. That's that's just a good trump card to keep in there to throw someone off their game. <laughs> we of course talked about the I am Jesus Christ video game that lets you build up your healing and learn to do carpentry, which is a real aspect of that game. <laughs> now, this I would like to share with my with my uh, co-host on air. I'm gonna send you guys a link. So we have found from the the deep archives of Christendom. Because believe it or not, and this is not the most, not the most comforting thought, but it's a true thing. Christians, American Christians were kind of always like this. The internet certainly turbocharged their insanity, but it didn't start it. And one, it takes us back to the thriller thing. One long tradition of that is making jokes that aren't funny, leveraging pop culture things that were better off left alone. Okay. And this brings us to an album by a man called James Louvier called Not Just Another Pretty Face. Here is the bottom text describing this album. Christian parodies of 14 popular songs. Powerful, clever, beautiful, bold. Wow. Cool. It is, it is very of the time. Like a lamb being led to slaughter. A parody of Bridge Over Troubled Water. Oh. That's Life, a parody of That's Life, made popular by Frank Sinatra. Not entirely sure this guy knows how parody works. Yeah. Wow, this gets this gets very sad very quickly. Yeah. Pontius Pilate's Wife's Dream, a parody of Sound of Silence, made popular by Simon and Garfunkel. Do not wow. try to parody Sound of Silence. I don't know who you are, friend. That is above your skill level. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to read this one and I'm not entirely sure I should, but I believe in you audience. A parody of Southern Man made popular by Neil Young. If you don't know that song, but you do know Sweet Home Alabama, Sweet Home Alabama was Leonard Skinner saying, "Hey, what did he say about us?" It gets referenced. <laughs> yep. Southern Man don't need him around anyhow. Uh Leonard Skinner not coming out on the right side of history in that one. This song is called Abortion Man. It is five minutes and 39 seconds long. 
Oh my heavens. No part of that should be a thing. <laughs> There's also one called Maria parody of Maria from paint your wagon. You can't have those on the same album. <laughs> <laughs> those are the rules. Matt didn't make them up. Yeah. That's just like you, you reach and succeeded your grass friend. Love child, a parody of a song by Diana Ross and the Supremes. You here's what you definitely can't do is have the same vocalist do parodies of Don Henley, Marty Robbins, Don McLean, Simon and Garfunkel, and Diana Ross on the same album. Wild. So you wonder to yourself, friends, has it always been this way? And the answer is closer to yes than we'd like to think. Yeah. Wow. I mean, like, so this would have been, one strongly assumes, you know, in, in the, the 70s or 80s when this was made. And, like, judging by the graphic design, recording was really expensive then. And, like, this is a 14-song <laughs> a record. Like, man, you spent a lot of time and money to to do this particular piece of performance art. Like, Wow. Yes. If you would like to check this out for yourself, and I don't know why you would, you can go to some uh, website called gotruth.com slash parody. Well, good luck. That is a thing you could choose to do if you wanted to. Another thing you could have done this year, if you decided that you wanted to, and I don't I also don't know why you would, was be on Focus on the family's email list. Good. As we discussed, mm. you would have gotten an email this year that said that the title of which was, do you wish this was an email from your adult child? I don't have adult children. <laughs> well, in that case, that'd be a very odd kind of um, <laughs> alternate multiverse thing in your case, Jed. <laughs> But this was an email sent out to people who are on the focus on the family email list that includes the, the, that starts, they won't return your calls. They ignore your texts and emails. Either you have little to no idea of what they're actually doing or their only communication is to rub in your faith, the sinful lifestyle they've embraced. It wasn't supposed to turn out this way. And for just a second, if you're like me, dear listener, you thought maybe this is, maybe this is a moment of reckoning. Maybe this is so we say, and that is why. We're shuddering focus on the family. James Dobson is going to spend the rest of his days in sackcloth and ashes as penance for the families he's destroyed, the lives he's ruined, the millions of dollars he has taken off people with charlatanism. Uh, nope. They wanted to uh, sell you another book uh, published by Focus on the Family. <laughs> ah. Healing Parents and Adult Child Relationships, a seven-part video series. Cool. That'll fix it. That's a seven part video series. Yes, Jed, this series will help you understand and overcome barriers and estrangement. Is it possible that trying to overcome barriers or as normally people might say healthy boundaries is what got you in this place? So, yeah, I, I think I finally understand the grift because Please. the, uh, the original focus on the family book was probably between 12 and $19 that caused all the problems between you and your child. 
Sure. And now that they're grown and the problems have fully galvanized, now they want to sell me a seven-part video series, which is going to cost much, much, much more. So yeah. uh, what we're going to do is charge you something that you can you feel like you can afford and you think you need. It's going to create a problem for you for which we have a solution. Aha! Uh-huh. That's right. It's a real music man situation. <laughs> yes. The second uh, bullet point in this series will help you is, I'm not making this up, set realistic and healthy adult parenting goals. That is not a thing. <laughs> if you have a goal to parent your adult child, that cannot be realistic and healthy. You're done. <laughs> yeah. That ship has sailed. That's kind of like, and maybe I'm the only one with this experience because I know I do. It, when you got your C minus in your class after the final, you can try to go talk to the professor, but they might just tell you, meh, ship, this is over. This is the yeah. grade you got. Yep. You got a D plus in parenting. Yeah, but there's no more extra credit. It, that's over. You did it. Outside of very narrow circumstances for certain disabilities or maybe something, uh, if they're an adult, you can't parent them anymore. That's kind of how that works. And the fact that this person thinks is trying to convince you that one of their seven videos is going to tell you how you can trick your adult child into letting you continue to parent them (laughs) is not going to be how it goes. Uh, on another side, maybe some people who could use some more realistic goals. Uh, 2022, big year for Christians being wound up about witches. Uh-huh. Witches, you say? We had a noted Nashville area resident and crazy person, Pastor Greg Locke, who, if you may recall, identified that there were six witches in his congregation. <laughs> he was going to call out. He knew they were in their congregation because they were in his wife's small group. Right. Yes. yes. He wanted the witches to leave. <laughs> Also, and apparently, again, in emerging technologies, uh, TikTok has brought out a certain uh, group of maybe younger uh, Christian evangelical grifters who are very concerned about, uh, very concerned about witches. Uh, We have one, I'm looking at a link from one here from the uh, Twitter and Instagram account, Christian Nightmares, who's very worried that you're bringing witchcraft into your home via children's toys. In this case- Uh a small kind of chemistry set cauldron type thing. And I don't pretend to know much, but I don't think that's how witchcraft works. <laughs> I don't think if you bought it for $17 from Fisher price, it can allow the occult into your home. <laughs> Wait till I get my, my little Baphomet play set. It's been your, <laughs> Now that is something that Hot Topic would carry. <laughs> There's another one uh, where a Christian influencer on TikTok uh, says, and this is the, so if you're familiar with TikTok, or if you're not, you can put text over your, your video there and it can kind of move its head to the line. And this one just simply says, and I checked so many times to make sure this was not parody. People were making fun of it, but the original one is, is deadly serious. Masturbation is a form of witchcraft. Uh, uh, oh, okay. And look, Christians, uh, evangelicals, book writers, uh, youth uh, people, I know you spent all of the 90s trying to make 
teenagers so scared that they would not engage in this activity. You tried it with the books and you tried it with the, uh, the sermons and you tried it with, you know, whatnot. Um, if you just jump to it's witchcraft, you're not going to get better results. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I appreciate, I appreciate the hustle. I I appreciate just the, the going for it. Yeah. That's, that's, um, you've overplayed your hand. (laughs) The, I was looking at this link, Matt, that you sent about the, uh, you know, the, the toy that supposedly is bringing the occult into the homes, the little, indeed, some, some kind of smoking cauldron type of thing. And what's hilarious about what you guys just said about the whole idea of the witchcraft supposition, not working the first two comments under that, under that advertisement or under that girl's rant is the first one says, I need to get me one of these toys. <laughs> and then the next yeah. one said, "I'm clearly not bringing enough witchcraft into my home." Well, I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, you guys have a you guys have a branding issue because that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> You're telling me that not only does this toy have you know there's something yeah it's GI Joe with Kung Fu grip it's this comes the Easy Bake Oven can really eat it. If you tell me this is going to summon spirits. <laughs> That's going to sell a lot of toys. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, as we round this out, I will share my personal biggest encounter with Christian nonsense from the year. Mm. And if you guys have any thoughts on something from your, from your own year that falls under said category, please uh, think of that and bring it around. This one came in the, did come via social media, but in the very unlikely source of LinkedIn. Okay. Right. I shared this with Lee and Jay at the time. I don't think I talked about it on the show. Um, I got this message on LinkedIn. Yeah. Matthew, I would very much appreciate a connection. And if you are interested in an opportunity with Ramsey Solutions, parentheses, <laughs> Dave Ramsey, <laughs> I would be eager to spend a few minutes on the phone. Feel free to find time on my calendar. And this is from a gentleman who I shall not name. His job title is recruiting at Ramsey Solutions. Now, as seen on TV, guess those are all the same thing. Said Spring Hill, Tennessee, United States. Here's the thing about that, uh, friend on LinkedIn. No, you would not like to schedule 15 minutes with me. <laughs> talk about Dave Ramsey. <laughs> nope. Also, just to be clear in case anyone from my job listens to this, not, not looking for a new job. This was just LinkedIn spam, but I... In a rare moment of the group chat coming to life, I sent this to Lee and Jed at the time. Ha ha, this happened. And mentioned it would be, you know, you know, you don't want to spend this on me. And then Jed shared something interesting, which was at a pretty much similar time. Uh, Dave Ramsey had was named in a lawsuit uh, where their senior leadership was basically picking sides with someone who'd been accused of domestic abuse who worked in their organization over someone who was accusing them of that because the guy who was accused of domestic abuse was making the money. So imagine yeah. that. So I, and listener, I, I hope that however long you've been listening to this show, you know us well enough to know that I am not making this up. I could not stop myself from responding to this message that I had received from Dave Ramsey Solutions, the email, and I responded thusly, word for word. Hi, name of person. Thank you for reaching out. 
I would need a a clarification on a number of Ramsey Solutions policies before I scheduled an interview. Your pro-domestic abuse position, for example, is of particular, though no means, my only concern. (laughs) And then I sent a link to the court documents with the allegations of that. And you know, he still hasn't gotten back to me. Really? Really? That is surprising. Well, what are the odds? So I don't think it was, but I'd like to think that I I gave that gentleman something to think about at his employee because (laughs) when at this point you're still putting out there, Hey, I work for Dave Ramsey. I'd love to talk to you. You should also, I will say this, this does not speak to this organization's ability to do any research. Yeah. Because if you click around much outside of LinkedIn, you might find out that this is not a good use of an email friend. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that was, I think, trying to be recruited to work for Dave Ramsey is my number one entrance in, in interaction with Christian nonsense in 2022. Unbelievable. An excellent, an excellent ranking. Indeed. Gentlemen, before we get out of here, do either of you have either from something we covered on the show, something that happened in real life, any particular Christian nonsense you would like to draw as a a a winner, loser, however you want to say that, a higher low of Christian nonsense in 2022. Wow. It's, Look, a, consider. it's a big <clears throat> ask. Yeah, especially because uh, any that would actually win is probably going to happen on the Patreon-only show or off <laughs> yeah. or, or on the co-host thread and is going to involve people that would make, you know, uh, certain holidays difficult for me in future. <laughs> that is a very fair and well-respected no answer from Mr. Younger. Well, and, and, and mine, you know, I think how, how can I choose amongst my children, Matt? I, I love all Christian nonsense. How, how could I, how could I choose amongst them and, and, you know, and, and play favorites in that sense? Are, are they not all beautiful in their own way? Indeed they are, Jed. Indeed they are. Well, there you have it. To close out the year, a little bit of review of the Christian nonsense that we touched upon and that was in some ways foisted upon us here in 2022. I would say let's hope that 2023 has less, but I have no confidence that's going to happen and we need content for this show. So (laughs) probably not going to go, but we deeply appreciate you, the listener. Yes. For joining us here in 2022, whether you've been with us for a while, because we've been doing this show for quite a while at this point, or you're new jumping on. We deeply appreciate you spending your time with us. We love doing the show. We love hanging out, but we love the interactions with you, listener. We love the reminders that we are uh, being helpful in some way, even if it's only giving you a good laugh at some of the nonsense throughout the week. So continue to write in. If you have questions, that podcast at gmail.com, the bridge Chicago tumble.com slash ask. We want to keep that entirely anonymous here for the final time in 2022. We'll take out with a song. This is always just a good one. A good thought to end the year on. We'll take out with a song Jed wrote for the men and women of the bridge many years ago called always, always, always. Yeah, that. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. I look at the threats and I look at the threats I've been hanging from and Jesus, how I shudder as they come undone. It feels like I'm falling and my hope is gone. But sure the one who's held me up all along. 
Take me. 